Your brain might just help you learn something in more ways than one. Welcome to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Dr. Bell is a licensed marriage and family therapist. He'll be your guide on this crazy exploration designed to bring life back into our existence. Can you become the element of change in an ever-changing world? Possibly, but you've got to listen on to find out. Now here is the host of Absurd Psychology, Dr. Gary Bell. Welcome everybody. All right, today we're talking about... The resentful vagina, which is called sexual warfare. You know, it's become really clear that on the basis of of a lot of divorces, not all, but a lot of divorces are problems of sexual connection. I mean, two people may think that they're fighting about the kids or the in-laws or about whether to renovate the kitchen, finances, whatever. But underneath it all is this unspoken tension related to the pressure of establishing a satisfying sexual relationship for both parties. And, you know, I've worked with couples for over 20, 23 years um, regarding this issue. And, and sex has been an area, a battleground of resentment, where resentments build up. And for women, primarily where it builds up for them is the idea that the man does not connect or even empathize or have compassion for her emotionally. There's no warm-up. There's no consideration. There's no thought process regarding her emotional uh, quota at that quotia at that time. And, and what she really needs is to understand that she's understood. And that in itself is sexy. But men don't understand sexy. They tend to want to just go for it. You know? And, and so we want to really understand what a woman's body shuts down and is no longer receptive to her husband's touch. You know, you're usually looking at a woman who have no history of sexual trauma. It's just shut down. Typically uh, appears, you know, a few years into the marriage and often after the kids are born where, uh, you know, the woman is more focused on the kids, the chores, the things around the house, if that's what she's doing or her work and trying to get back to work. I mean, there's a lot of things that a woman has to juggle, not to mention that her body has been wrecked. And she has to put it all back together and hope to God that he's attracted to her, you know. And and so a whole lot of things happen for a woman, especially after kids are born. But men have to understand that their job is to be emotionally safe. And if you not do not want that battleground of sexual warfare, um, then what you really want to understand is you're going to have to have compassion for your wife and do what a man is supposed to do in marriage, uh, biblically and personally and respectfully, and that is to cherish his wife. Now, oftentimes a woman is a nagger, and oftentimes she's always parenting her husband, calling him the next child or the other child or whatever. Well, that's not sexy either. And what women have to understand is they cannot parent their husband and expect him to be sexually attracted to her. If she's going to be telling him what to do, nagging him, reminding him, telling him all the faults he has and all the failures of never meeting her needs, then what's going to happen? How lazy he is, how much he doesn't help the kids, how much he doesn't do. If that's what she's going to focus on, then there is going to be a heightened sense of resentment from the man. And yeah, he may withdraw from her sexually because she's just not sexy. You know, if a woman's going to parent a man and make him feel like a child, that's just going to result in a whole lot of resentment over time. He may stuff it and stuff it and stuff it and then blow as a passive aggressive does. Or he may just come back out and flat out just call it quits on the sex life and maybe even turn to someone else. You never know. But if a woman's going to be a parent, 
to her husband, there is a consequence to that. If a man is not going to cherish his wife, she will nag him until he's dead. And that's going to take years and years and years off his life. As a matter of fact, he may prefer to be dead because he's so sick of being nagged. And so the bottom line is, if you guys don't get your communication together and understand that your job in marriage and in a relationship is to be safe emotionally, compassion for each other, even when you're upset with each other, have compassion. If you don't want to stand there and be parented, then have compassion. You don't sit there and resent and resent and resent because you're being treated badly. What you want to go is I need to match you, your emotions, and understand that you're mad at me. And I need to empathize with that and understand it and stop being defensive because you're just trying to make the relationship better when you're in conflict. It's so stupid to be defensive when you're trying to do something good. Unfortunately, our egos are let go, and so many times we live in our ego, and unfortunately, we don't understand that a relationship is the humblest place in the world. I mean, you watch each other poop and pee, you do, you fart in front of each other, you do all kinds of crazy stuff. And so the bottom line is you have to make it through all that stuff. Well, if you have compassion for each other, that offers sexy. That offers a sense of not having to focus on the negatives, the bad breath. All the other things that come along. You know, it, it's, we just got to get it together in this country if we do not want to suffer the consequences of divorce. Because divorce hurts the children more than anybody. But all, all the, others, the other part of it is it turns you into poverty. And you never know who you marry until you divorce them. And so the bottom line is people are jerks when they are divorcing. They are so selfish and so preservative of their income that they forget their children and often drop them in the middle. And then the children have to pick between one parent and the other, dividing their personality from one home to the other. Sadly, this also happens. And this is as a result, oftentimes, that they've grown apart sexually. That's why the sex life is important. If you want your sex life to be good, the first thing you have to do is be good at getting in that two-foot space around each other where you're actually reminding each other that you love each other and you belong together. If you sit 10 miles apart, then the bottom line is you're not going to be sexy. You're not going to be anything but people that live together. Sadly, a lot of people live that way. And so the bottom line is you have to touch, you have to kiss. That doesn't mean you linger. That means doesn't mean you have to be gross. That means you're not leading to the bedroom or have an agenda. You're just saying, I love you. Just simple touch, simple kiss, simple stuff. Reminds you that you love each other and your job is to be emotionally safe for each other, to have each other's back emotionally. That's the important part of a relationship. You know, there's there's uh, during sex, many women have a patchwork for go to no go zones that are deeply confusing and frustrating. And, and, and so there's this spontaneous freedom from uh, past sexual expression that oftentimes men want. But he doesn't know what happens because in the honeymoon phase, everything was a go. But now. Uh, she's not wanting to be touched in specific places or some deep, you know, there's some deep psychological problems or is this a lot of no, no, no uh, happening? And if that's going to be the case, you know, the husband is going to have a fear of rejection due to his ego. And unfortunately, he will stop initiating and he will resent, resent, resent. He'll still provide, he'll still do everything he's supposed to do with the kids. He'll laugh. He'll have a few good times. 
He'll even go on dates or whatever, but the bottom line, he will resent because everything is off limits that he may want to have on limits, and that limits his whole sex life. And so then they resort to pornography to get what they can't get at home. And so unfortunately, pornography is free, and it's readily available in everyone's home, and it's probably about 70% of our male population turning to that these days just due to the prevalence of it and the availability. You know, many women think their husband uh, expect them to have a switch on their shoulder that can flip to get from the mood to be in the mood to, uh, uh, you know, not in the mood. And so they, they, you know, men are really good at compartmentalizing. So they can take a problem and shove it under the drawer and say, I'll deal with it later. And then they can have this big argument with their wife and then want to have sex. You know, women are multitaskers. While they're taking their shower in the morning, they're they're planning what to cook, where to go on vacation, what to do. Forget, you know, they they can't forget problems that have to get solved. And uh, and so when they get to bed at night, the husband may be focused on the activity of the moment, sex, while the wife is still preoccupied with the tantrum their two year old or three year old had at the grocery store. And so uh, you know, or some disagreement over money or something like that. And so she feels her husband is out of sync. And with her emotional state and concerns, and he's ready to go sexually, but she is not so easy to have that transition to uh, the playground, to you know, and uh, to have sex. She can't shut down her mind in order to turn on her body, and she experiences this sense of failure also. And that's because the man does not approach her emotionally. He does not honor her emotions. That is a very deep resentment that she will gain towards him in the way of opening herself up, uh, you know, and, and, and being loved and being given and being uh, cherished in the bed. And, and if she only feels that cherishing only happens in the bedroom, then she also forms a resentment because a woman needs to feel like she is the center of a man's life. And that means that I can't be the man I am without her. I don't even know why she's with me. You know, I'm so lucky to have her, and it's there when I'm with her, and it's there when I'm not with her. You know, and, and if she feels trapped and threatened that she has to perform, and that's going to lead to a problem because that's not sexy. You don't trap a woman into the bedroom and expect them to have sex with you. That's crazy. That's nuts. Or when they don't want to have sex, expect them to have sex. That's crazy. You need to warm up to her emotionally. That means you are an icicle and you cannot say, I'm just a logical person or I'm just analytical. That doesn't work. You're going to have to actually engage your emotions and bring them out and have compassion and empathy. If you can't do that, maybe you should go to a therapist and learn because that's what a woman needs if you're going to engage with her. You know, a lot of people complain that their husbands want sex as if it's a bad thing, and they think that sex for men is all about orgasms. But that's part of it. But in, in a long-term relationship, sex is also the fastest route for a man to feel close and connected to his wife. And in good times, sex is a wonderful way to give and receive love. But, you know, if that rose starts to get shut down and uh, or it becomes a more safe and relaxed connection – then you're not going to have that as a battleground. But if you're going to shut it down, it becomes a battleground. And you know, women's body are funny in that way. Once they feel cared for, it's possible to reaccess desire. But if you're a couple engaged in you know, push and pull where you need uh, help to get past the resentment to get to the sex, that's going to be a long process for a woman. Because if she cannot trust you emotionally, she's not going to want to be with you. 
you know, and this problem can linger year after year after year after year. And, and because it's a direct route to a marriage breakdown. And so once again, you have to get in that two foot space if you're going to remind each other that you love each other. And maybe that nonverbal communication will help you understand that you guys really are safe together, really do love each other and really do want to have uh, let, make love with each other. You know how partners negotiate different sexual preferences. Sometimes the issue is sex drives. When one partner wants sex much more than the other, well, then you're going to have to negotiate and maybe open windows of time that you're going to have to, especially if you have kids, you're going to have to negotiate windows of time. Well, that's not sexy for a woman. That's why a man needs to warm up to that phase. That's why I say the nonverbals without an agenda, without being gross or sex, you know, sex deprived and you know, disrespectful of the woman's body. The bottom line is you want a reminder that you love her, that you love her so that the possibility that you can have sex at the appointed time or you have an alternative time that might also work for both of you. So if it doesn't work once, there is the possibility that you'll have it at a different time. You know, another problem arises when uh, both partners are equally uh, want sex, but they don't share the same preferences. You know, what one partner's sexual preferences may discuss the other partner. For example, some women may not have an orgasm through vaginal sex. It would prefer an orgasm through oral sex. Yet some men may be disgusted and, um, having uh, to provide oral sex if they experience a woman's vagina is disgusting and stinky. So some men may have problems maintaining erections with vaginal sex as there is a su- insufficient pressure on the glands of the penis. So such men may prefer to be given oral sex, perhaps standing up with the woman kneeling beneath him, makes him feel like he's dominant. Ooh. You know, some women do not enjoy giving a man oral sex if they gag on his penis or ejaculate the man kneeling at a man's feet feels degrading. You know, what's to be done there? No one wants to feel coerced into sexual behavior. It's disgusting. So, you know, that's no fun. But on the other hand, one wants to be in a long-term sexually exclusive relationship that, you know, you don't want to be in one that denies you your sexual preferences that give you the greatest sexual pleasure or the best orgasms. So you're going to have to negotiate, negotiate, negotiate. That's what marriage is. It is compromise. You're going to have to find ways. Maybe there's toys that you have to use instead of your mouth, you know, but you need to understand that if that's a need, it's a need and you got to find a way to meet it. But, you, you know, there's toys that can meet that for you. You don't have to do it all for yourself, all yourself for that person. You know, these conflicting preferences may not be apparent during the honeymoon phase because we're so excited and full of endorphins. But the excitement of a new romance might make almost any kind of sex intensely pleasurable when one is madly and passionately in love. You know, as the honeymoon wanes and the sexual boredom sets in, it's only natural to rekindle sexual passion through sexual practices that might be more adventurous. And yet, sexual experiments that excite one partner might disgust the other. So there's always that give and take that you're going to have to figure out. You know, neither solution, if it doesn't seem satisfactory, you need to learn. Learn how to have successful conflict sexual discussions. No one should be ashamed for their sexual pleasures. And no one should be ashamed for their sexual disgust. So the guiding principle is different strokes for different folks. There's no right or wrong sexual preferences or distaste as long as you're not hurting anybody. You should be able to open up about this issue without debating it or shaming each other. 
care about your partner's sexual happiness. You should care about your partner's sexual happiness and be sympathetic to their frustration. If the sexual practices that give them the greatest sexual pleasure disgust you, don't be judgy. You know, try to give your partner as much sexual happiness as you can without demeaning yourself. Care about your partner's disgust sensitivities. You you shouldn't pressure your partner to do anything that make them feel that they're demeaning or degraded. You need to respect your partner's disgust sensitivities, even if they strike you as irrational. Don't judge your partner for what they don't like. Be open to do sex work. If you care about your partner's happiness sexually, you should open up to doing that kind of work, working in a, making your partner happy. That doesn't mean that you have to do something that disgusts you. It means that you should be open to doing things that don't necessarily turn you on, but they give your partner pleasure. Of course, your partner should be open to reciprocating the favor to you. It's not a one-way street. If it becomes a one-way street, there's a problem there, too. You know, disgust sensitivities aren't written in stone. You don't overcome sexual disgust by forcing yourself to do something disgusting because your partner will get angry with you if you don't and then somehow magically discover that you really like it. You know, disgust sensitivities might be relaxed in a relationship in which you don't feel judged for your preferences and you feel that your partner really cares about your sexual happiness. And so, you know, your partner's orgasms, their fluids start to seem more wholesome and appealing when you see your partner as a wholesome and appealing person who loves and respects you for who you are without forcing you to be somebody you're not for their sexual pleasure. You know, many women find sex to be the deepest form of love and connection. And many women are very sexually oriented. But if a man does not have compassion or empathy or understanding and is able to meet a woman on her emotional intelligence, he's going to have a really hard time having any kind of great sex life with his wife. And that's the bottom line. We're going to talk about this more. So we're going to take a break and come back. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. Dr. Gary Bell is available for speaking engagements as well as teaching at your seminar or workshop and life coaching via telephone Skype or in person in the Seattle area. Dr. Bell brings his no-nonsense, straight-from-the-hip discussions each week on the show, but it doesn't stop there. Learn about motivation and psychology, one-couple marriage repair, a two-day workshop in Seattle, and more. Visit drgbmft.com today or call Dr. Gary Bell at 951-818-7856. That's drgbmft.com or 951-818-7856. It's time to serve, learn, change the world. Tune in each week for The Power of Young People to Change the World, hosted by NYLC's CEO, Amy Muirs. The program is a forum for both young people and the adults who love and support them. We make connections with others through stories of change, partnership, and new perspectives of issues facing the world today. Be sure to join us every Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time or anytime on demand on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. You are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. 
That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it will take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now, back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Welcome back, everybody. We're talking about the resentful vagina, sexual warfare. You know, women or men, you know, may orgasm quicker, but women are more powerful oftentimes in their capacity for pleasure, which usually and some not usually sometimes can include multiple orgasms. But the way that women experience and express their sexuality is often very different in their male partners, you know, and and there's some real common ways that women differ. You know, men are often disappointed that she doesn't crave it in her body as much as he does, but her body is very different hormonally. Testosterone does cause physiological desire for both people, for both genders. But to differing degrees, proportionately, the male hormonal drive is a loud scream, and hers is a whisper. For her, it's uh, fantasizing, remembering, imagining hot sex that revs her engine, and, and many times of infatuation or falling in love when she con- con- uh, constantly was thinking about being together. Her sexual appetite is high, and arousal is easy. You know, there, there's uh, being desired is the orgasm. You know, for women, while seeing an attractive man might cause a small spike of excitement in a woman, some women are more visual than others. And it's the thought of his reaction to her that is important. And it hits her brain like a lightning bolt. Knowing that someone is hungry for her engages her imagination. It ignites sexy thoughts in the brain. And just as men often expect abundant sex after marriage, women have expectations of lots of continuing romance, which is called quality and not quantity, which is what men want. That assures her of her desirability. So quantity does not assure a woman of desirability. Quality is what affects a woman's desirability, and that's where a woman finds her most attraction. And most women do love sex, but desire can be easily derailed by tiredness, resentment, psychological problems of pain or menopause. In fact, without the the psychological driver of testosterone, the main task for women is to turn off their inner brakes of their sexuality. And, uh, And then they fall back on the distractibility of laundry and children and work and you know, in, in inhibiting voices that tell her no because of her history or religion or maybe even just the behavior of the husband, which is usually most of the case. And so both of them are in this deeply lonely state. You know, marriage can be the loneliest place on earth when it is not working. And so, you know, the, we really have to understand that women come to bed willing to have a good experience but not really wanting or craving sex until aroused And so, you know, sometimes getting in the peak arousal can be a really tough climb for a woman. It may take up to 45 minutes, but experiencing regular orgasms is not as easy for women as it is for men. But it's necessary for continued desire, 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 desire. That is the whole point for men. If you forget that, then you will lose it. You know, men love variety. Women may prefer a tried and true position or routine because there's more guarantee of her pleasure, which allows her to relax in the moment. You know, many women uh, do learn orgasms through, through self-stimulation, and you shouldn't be ashamed of that. What's the problem is men will often find themselves masturbating to 
uh, pornography, which inhibits their sexuality and their desire, and uh, no woman can compete with pornography. So if you're going to introduce that in your life, it's a poison pill because it will destroy your marriage. It will destroy your idea of wanting to be with your partner. So a large portion of beginning your sex lives within a relationship is desire. So the first time that they're touched intimately may, uh, by another person, nearly all men start their sex lives with masturbation. Feeling sexual desire is at its core the rawest form of vulnerability. To want the, the, your partner to touch us and to bring us pleasure is to experience need. And often relationship ups and downs cause women to withdraw desire and project their heart in a way that men don't or can't. And so given their biological drive, her need to feel emotionally safe before the sexual moment cannot be overstated. Emotionally safe. That is your main job in a marriage, to be emotionally safe with each other. That is huge. That means we can be who we are at any given moment, good, bad, or indifferent, and we still will be met with compassion. We should be safe harbors. After we're out to sea in the danger of life, we come back to a safe harbor where both of us can connect and be okay with each other. You know, um, also, her need to feel emotionally safe before a sexual moment is important. Romance and seduction are ways that both men and women can co-create a context for sex that helps her separate from the cares of the day and her mental checklist of things to do and brings her to a place of vulnerability. That's where a man's got to drop the crap and stop being a robot and stop just looking for his own satisfaction and begin to understand that if he doesn't fill her gas tank, fill her tank, he's often going to be denied sex for any set of reasons. You know, sex, talking, hanging out, working together, managing a home and a family as a team, feeling appreciated, celebrating holidays, giving and receiving gifts and affection may all compromise love for, uh, love for a woman, but sex is part of the whole, not the defining factor. So making love may flow from the warmth she feels in the relationship, but it's not necessarily the source of the heat. So, you know, I'm not saying that women are obliged to give sex when they don't want to, but sometimes she may recognize her partner's need for sex. And despite her own uh, uh, inclination, she may want to meet his need. If there's a relational warmth and a goodwill, this offering can be a real gift of love. So, once again, in marriage and oftentimes long-term relationships, be happy if one of you is satisfied, but not one of you all the time. That's unacceptable. It needs to be both of you as the goal, but if one of you gets and the other can't, that's marriage. It's okay, but that can't be the benchmark for the relationship or the pattern for the relationship. You know, if there's, you know, that that offering, that, that warm offering, it, it can frustrate her efforts when her partner insists, but I want it. You know, if he's going to force himself on her, if he's going to be denied and force her to create a hard borderline, you know, saying, no, you can't. You know, when people are negotiating sex, oftentimes it's better instead of saying no to say what you can do or what you can't do, what you can do or what you can't do. So there isn't a hard rejection. That's a very important aspect to a sex life because that means I'm not shutting you out. I'm just giving you what I can for now, you know. Uh, from attraction to the act, sex behaviors takes a lot of forms. 
And so human interest in sex can be thought of as a built-in imperative. It is the survival of the species and the basis for why we have the honeymoon phase is to breed. That is the big deal. That's where those chemicals come from because that's what people used to do. They would breed to have children. And so the bottom line is until the 60s when they invented the pill – uh, we basically underwent in the 70s a sexual revolution, which is unbelievable because to this day, now everybody looks at sex as a recreational sport, which has created a lot of sexual problems for people because we were designed to have sex to have children, not to have sex on a daily basis or a minute by minute basis, whatever the deal is. Yes, there's some people with high sex drive, but you can drive your partner absolutely crazy by having that kind of demand. You know, the bottom line is we have to understand also that marriage is ultimately for children to protect them with a covenant and a contract to understand that they have two parents to raise them and not just one. You know, human interest is very important to understand. Survival of our species depends on our attractability to each other. And many women are looking for a man that they can look up to. If you can't look up to your husband, That's a very, very difficult thing. But they also, women, want to be looked up to, too. And they want to be looked out for. More than looked up to, they want to be looked out for. But yes, they need to be looked up to as if they are the center of your life. So, you know, men need to to depict themselves as a good provider, as a man, as somebody that's steady, somebody with essence, somebody who has purpose, and who has a life outside of their penis. And a lot of men don't. A lot of men are children living in their parents' house at 30, 40, 50 years. It's amazing how many men have waned their gene of being a man into the idea that it's okay to just fold. You know, men are looked for to be a man and a woman is a woman. We are different. We have to accept that and we have a different approach to our needs and our life. You know, people engage in a whole lot of sexual activities for a lot of reasons. Sometimes they just want to feel alive, maintain a vitality of their human functioning, feel desirable or attractive or achieve closeness or or to please a partner that they love. But it, it can be one of the most difficult sex can be one of the most difficult subjects for a couple to discuss. It's amazing how some couples never even talk about it. Bodies and interests change over time. And, and most people will experience some type of sexual problem at some point in their life. Therefore, it's really important for people to have open communication. It's all, it is absolutely essential uh, uh, for, uh, to have an atmosphere that's open and free of distraction. And, and sexual uh, desire involves both biological and psychology, and it can be really unpredictable, especially in a long-term relationship or a long-term marriage. So, you know, uh, uh, it can manifest very differently in men and women. You know, men, arousal typically precedes desire. For women, desire often precedes arousal. And so, man wants arousal and then desire, and women want, what do they want? Well, they want desire that precedes arousal. So, the response to physical intimacy and emotional connection and atmosphere of free distraction helps a woman understand how to operate in that relationship to feel safe sexually with their partner. You know, if you focus on human desire, 
um, and, and really understand what that's about, you know, smell also plays an often subtle role in attraction. And research shows that women are attracted to people who have naturally good body odor or pheromones that signals a genetic profile distinct to their own. You know, if a person has low sexual desire, it's com- common among men and women, but it can also often be resolved by addressing conflicts. More consistently is going to therapy and actually understanding what are our resentments, what are our trust issues, and taking them on directly. That means knocking them out of the ballpark and understanding that we are in a relationship. We either will be or won't be. We cannot try to be in a relationship, and that's the problem. People, when they wane their sexual desire, they just try to be in a relationship. Well, try is never good enough. Try is inconsistent. Try lacks commitment. If you're going to stand up in front of people and say, I'm going, I will be married, I do. If you're going to do that and you're going to sign that contract, then you, you, you sure as hell better do the will. The will is what it takes to make it through a long-term marriage. We will be married. We will find a way. We will fix it. And if you're not a man that's willing to commit, which oftentimes in these days we have these Weasley men that won't, the bottom line is and live in lies and sit there and masturbate and photo pornography instead of uh, worship or cherish, not worship, but cherish a woman. You know, the bottom line is you're going to lose it. You're going to lose it. And so you need to step back and understand if you're going to be in a marriage, it's a will or won't. And that includes sex. You know, the pleasure of sex arises from things like neurochemicals such as oxytocin, dopamine. And if you're depressed, you're not sexy. If you're going to walk around like Eeyore, nobody wants to have sex with Eeyore. Cut it out. Wake up. Take some medication. Go work out. Stop doing what you feel every day of your life and dragging your whole family and everybody else that has to deal with you through that. That's stupid. You know, take on your problems. Face your issues. Stop letting your pride get in the way of hurting everybody else in your life by you moping around or living in fear called anxiety and just letting that run your show. You know, life is faith-based. Take leaps of faith and enjoy the experiential learning you gain from it. That's the process of living. And that includes your sex life. When you jump into bed and experientially gain knowledge about how and where you are at this point in your sexuality, you can always be discovering new things about yourself and your partner. You know, there's no no one way to be sexual. There's an enormous variation in just, just looking at the process and development of our life as we get older. You know, about 90% of young men report you know, using pornography with some regularity, while many couples today engage in behaviors that were once perceived as atypical, including dominance play, anal intercourse. You know, researchers now understand that flexibility in sexual uh, repertoires is healthy, generally enhances relationships. Also, clinicians regard specific behaviors as problematic when they create harm or hurt or pain or distress or, or a, a creating a medical issue for their partner. You know, sex addiction is often labeled as a, used to suggest an excessive or pathological interest in sex. And they will fall behind that with the excuse that, oh, that's just my love language. That's bull crap. You're just a selfish pig. You know, sexual addiction, yes, is addictive because it's dopamine. There's medication for that. Take some testosterone, take some dopamine and fix it. Stop sitting around trying to victimize everybody around you because your stinking penis can't get down, you know. Start to relate to people from an emotional aspect rather than trying to conquer things and put little 
check marks in your bed. You know, the bottom line is we, we have to, our sexual behavior changes over time. The trajectory of change may vary between men and women. It is a compromise. It has to be negotiated on a continuous basis. You know, young women may have difficulty navi- navigating cultural attitudes about sex behavior and promiscuity, uh, promiscuity as, they, as they first explore their sexuality. But age brings confidence and greater skill at communicating their needs and desires. So young men often have concerns about performance, penis size, premature ejaculation. And, you know, anxiety is a threat to performance for either men or women. But the bottom line is make your way around it. There's toys. Use them. Do something else. If, if, if your equipment is not fully viable for what you're wanting to do, don't deny your partner. Give them an aspect of sex that, that maybe uh, they, they, they need or want and have that open dialogue to communicate about it. But couples tend to report that their sex life is most robust in their 30s and their 40s. But sex often most deeply rewarding for older partners. People can enjoy satisfying sex through the lifespan, but if they make adjustments for the many changes that times brings that, and relying less on penal penetration, more on massage and whole body touching, oral sex, and have that wide rapport, a, a repertoire of, of, uh, of tools that they can use in their sexuality and expressing their desire, that's an oftentimes great thing for people who have a great sex life and build on that. From atta- uh, attraction to action, what it takes, once again, is to be emotionally safe and emotionally connected. Not logically, not so- talking about vacations, not watching TV shows, but actually deeply connecting with each other as individuals emotionally and respectfully. That is what's going to create sexuality. Human interest in sex can be thought about as, a, as an imperative that's built into their, their being. And so, so, you know, although sexual desire tends to, to wane over the course of your life, depending on the eternal dema- external demands, you know, but relationship satisfaction becomes more important as you get often uh, older. And it serves as a passport to bonding and intimacy and pleasure and even human growth and healing. Actually, people that have a robust, not robust, but a, a steady and good intimate life where they're emotionally connected, live longer because they don't have the stress of waiting and wondering how to navigate around their partner, how to walk on eggshells because their partner will or won't. You know, if we live in that emotionally uh, uh, resented, resentful sea between us that we never are willing to resolve, we are denying ourselves of memories which are the legacy of our life. That's what lives on beyond us is our memories. Those are made through emotions. All memories are connected by emotions, and that includes sexual memories especially. So if you're going to leave that as a dry desert, you're going to have very few memories of each other sexually and probably crave that in the next time you have a partner after your partner finally croaks. So we're going to take another break and come back and talk about the resentful vagina. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Dr. Gary Bell is available for speaking engagements as well as teaching at your seminar or workshop and life coaching via telephone Skype or in person in the Seattle area. Dr. Bell brings his no-nonsense, straight-from-the-hip discussions each week on the show, but it doesn't stop there. Learn about motivation and psychology, one-couple marriage repair, a two-day workshop in Seattle, and more. 
Visit drgbmft.com today or call Dr. Gary Bell at 951-818-7856. That's drgbmft.com or 951-818-7856. Unravel the mysteries of metaphysics every week on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Join host Barb Crowley as she and her insightful guest share what's been learned behind the veil, going just beyond our five senses. Now you can see things with an entirely different point of view. Tune in for Metaphysics, A View Through the Veil, broadcasting live every Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Use it to explore your advantage and deeper understanding. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it will take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now, back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Welcome back, everybody. All right, we're talking about men and women, and we're talking about the resentful vagina, which is uh, actually sexual warfare in many relationships. But, you know, it's... uh, you know, if we look at just from a genetic perspective, biologists call uh, genetic benefits and resource benefits as part of the main form of attraction, especially of a woman and a man to each other. You know, the gen- genetic benefits are genes that produce healthy children. Resource benefits are the things that help us protect our healthy children, which is why women sometimes like men with big houses. You know, when a woman is sexually attracted to a man because he smells good, she she really might not know why she is sexually attracted to the guy. She she doesn't know that he might have the uh, MHC gene complex complementary to her or that he smells good because he has, he has symmetrical features. So, you know, why women have sex is partly primer for decoding uh, our, our personal uh, basic ads to each other sexually. You know, uh, tall, uh, symmetrical face, cartoonish V-shaped body. You know, some some pe- people may find that attractive. Some people may find affluent people uh, attractive. Yeah, some people may look for resource benefits. You know, look, you know what's going to be good for my kids. You know, or or uh, you know, despite being, you know, uh, 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 explaining why why some people are sex gods you know it's it's really amazing because that is something that comes oftentimes from our genetic attractions you know you know men uh, with good uh, uh, at least resource not genetic benefits tend to be unfaithful because men have a, a genetic uh, factor agenda from women they want to impregnate lots of women 
you know, and, and they're risk taking and they're womanizing bad boys because they have that genetic factor where that makes them attractive to many different women. And so, you know, the bottom line is what's interesting is divorce is more common in people that have a lot of sexual experience in their childhood. If sex was used as a, a way to to attract other men or what attract other women and sex has often been used as the main tool in the relationship, then oftentimes what's going to happen is if you've had lots of sexual partners, you're going to have lots of divorces. It's just one of the things that happens in our human race. You know, you know, women may use sex as a bag, you know, that they use to uh, grab somebody. And he have, may have fewer genetic benefits, but more resource benefits. And so she finds herself loving the man, but not in love with the man. And so there's a lot of women out there that will uh, compromise genetically because they find the resources are more important than the attraction uh, because they can see that this other man may not be faithful because if he has this genetic attractability and he has uh, the ability to connect with lots of different kind of women. And so they find that maybe if they have low self-esteem, they're going to have a hard time holding that person's love for them. You know, sometimes they'll have sex with a guy like that. They will have children with a guy like that. And then they'll go find a man with resources to raise those children like that and maybe have one or two just to keep him in the game. Sadly, that's how selfish we are as people. You know, the idol of women, uh, do it for love and men for joy, uh, it, it's, it's really not that, not that simple. Um, if for men, they may call it orgasm, orgasm, but, but a lot of women uh, said that they just want sex, and this is in studies, they want sex for pure, pure pleasure. That's oftentimes the case. They do want it for pure pleasure, but they want it for pure pleasure from their partner. And that's what needs to be understood. And if the partner is going to be resentful and angry and not good emotionally, he's going to find himself being uh, a very lonely person in the relationship. The second most important reason why women have sex is romantic love. And, and, and if a guy is very good at the romantic love, then she might uh, uh, put herself in a place where she takes more risks because he hits on that romantic ideal. Oftentimes, they get betrayed by that romantic ideal. That person doesn't maintain the romance, doesn't cherish her all as long as she wanted that to happen. And once they get each other and once they marry each other and make that commitment, guess what? Everything dies because they're tired of being romantic and now they're wanting to get on with life and they've already trapped you into marriage. And so sadly, a lot of people will do that. And so they fall into romantic love, but they don't understand how they have to maintain the love. And sometimes men who are high in, in mate value, that genetic attraction, are in relationships with many simply to pursue a short-term sexual strategy. And they don't want the commitment. They just hit it and leave it. You know, hit it and quit it. That's what it's called. There, there isn't a huge pool of highly desirable men just sitting out there with, you know, waiting for women. You know, it's, so desirable men want to be liberated from other women. And so what they do is they make a game of it because they know that they're attractive and they make a game of it with women. And women, you have to be very careful about that. You know, 
you have to navigate an experience where the man is not just uh, making a lot of emotional gestures towards you, but where they show the kind of character where they're consistent, where they introduce you to their family, where they introduce you to their friends, where they interject you into their life, where they open up to their maybe their finances and their home and their family and their parents. You know, stuff like that is very important because that is showing the sign that I'm looking for more longevity because I'm actually ex- letting you access my family. You know, some people uh, use sex uh, to to make guard, you know, to, to uh, you know, if you see a man in a cage and a woman with a spear and a bottle of baby oil, you know, w- women uh, regularly have sex with their, their mates to stop them from seeking other people. And that's called mate guarding. And so it's a sense of duty, but it's not a reason to be together. And, and, and but it's a popular reason for sex, and it, it's it's uh, you know most of the time people just lie there and make lists in their head or grunt once or twice to know that, that they're awake, and then they tell them how great it was when it's over, and then they claim that they're happily married but unsatisfied sexually. They just don't admit to that because they're doing what's called mate guarding, you know, and. and you know, th- this description also of uh, a, a men's uh, genitalia can be very important. If a woman feels like he's not a very attractive man sexually or if they feel like he's not somebody that is, is very s- sexual in their techniques or in their style or whatever, uh, so their size. If a woman has a negative projection on their husband in that regard, that is not sexy and that's going to destroy the sex life from that perspective because now you're appealing to his low self-esteem. Steam. You know, women also uh, get feel criticized if a woman's body is criticized by a man, if he's disappointed in her, if he's wanting her to work out, if he's claiming he wants this, that, or the other from her, he is going to actually detract himself from her and not attract himself because now she has to meet a bar to get him to feel attracted to her. Now he has to, she has to earn his desire to be sexual with her because she does not make the mark and now she's going to feel insecure that other women are out there. So you guys, you've got to understand, you've got to unify, communicate emotionally, be strong with each other emotionally, be safe with each other and instigate and keep that nonverbal stuff going and keep the compliments coming because if you're grateful, people find that sexy. If you're going to fall back into medicinal sex, you are going to destroy your sexual desire for each other. You know, uh, the libido is in both women and men, but it's often considered to be, you know, like some kind of uh, hydraulic pressure in the body. You know, yeah, it's a muscle. Yes, men ejaculate from the penis. Yes, it's a muscle. So it does require blood flow. But, uh, you know, women... Uh, often need to have a reason to have sex, and men don't get that. They don't understand that a woman needs a reason to have sex, not just to have sex. Otherwise, they might go for a long time without feeling desired. So men need to have a reason to have sex too. But for most men, the reason can be simple as uh, someone taking off their shirt or showing up, you know, taking a shower or something like that. So men tend to be readily say yes to sex, whereas most women's minds tend to say maybe or that depends. Because if the man does not meet her emotionally and just cares about his desire, that's going to be a problem. It's all. And so, you know, when a straight couple comes 
to see because they're not having sex, the male partner is almost always still regularly masturbating, and off the woman has stopped masturbating and and uh, doesn't do does it rarely. And so there's oftentimes a, a disconnect between the two. Many women don't just want sex; they feel like they're uh, they need to be desired. And we talked about that earlier in the show. You know, desire is the most important aspect of what a woman looks for, that she is wanted in that way, that she is desired in that way. That is an important aspect for her to feel sexual. You know, it, doesn't everyone know how important it is for a woman to feel desired? If you're, if you're surprised, you, you must be awfully, awfully naive as a person. You know, there's a lot of people that don't even have a clue that women need to feel desired. But if you put that on the front plate and you make that an important aspect of your relationship, you're going to find that your sexuality is a lot easier to access and the walls will come down and the warfare will end. You know, by human standards, if you looked at uh, <laughs> all male rats in, in research, they are all premature ejaculators. So rat sex is typically very short-lived, but rat foreplay can go on for a long time. So uh, so if you look at those studies, female rat runs in front of the male, uh, gets his attention, then darts away. And with any luck, he'll be interested enough to chase her. He might chase her around the cage for a long time, but she finally lets him have her. So the female rats tend to like prolonged uh, running around more than, you know, the males. So many people have noted that whole thing looks suspicious you know, the, but but it's very reflective of heterosexual mating. While women's desire often seems to be much for pleasure, is being chased as for what happened, and instead of for what happens afterwards. And it's important for us to come to grips with that. You know that men uh, sometimes have a, usually a strong yearning to be desired too, and it's important for a woman to make a man feel desired. That's something that is important for him to understand of what he needs to do to access his own sexuality. But if a woman desires a man and a man doesn't desire a woman, that's a problem. You know, so it needs to go both ways. And if you're going to be in marriage and you're going to commit yourself and you got this contract and you got this this covenant, you cannot sit back and deny that need. You know, keep in mind, you know, that we need to have actionable uh, uh, ability to access our sex life from a sense of emotions. Intimacy does not just mean penetration. You know, it involves biology, psychology, could be unpredictable, it can manifest in women and women, but they need to talk openly about it. And arousal typically precedes desire, uh, but women often desire, uh, often precedes arousal. So if a man is not willing to arouse a woman, there's a good chance that physical intimacy is not going to happen. Also, the atmosphere needs to be free of distraction and, uh, and the emotional connection needs to be willing to be accessed. And so, you know, it, it's oftentimes if you look at the both women, men and women and their low sexual desire, it can be resolved by addressing conflicts and actually talking and actually understanding each other. But that takes compassion and empathy first and then problem solving next. You know, 
you got to sidestep also uh, uh, bargaining chips. You know, sometimes people will control, you know, have some kind of pactor, like, you know, kind of pants that they wear, kind of whatever, something that's sexy that they're wearing. They have this bargaining chip for sex. Okay, if you fix this, then we can have that. You know, that's not a healthy way to approach your sex life. And that's not a good manipulation. You know, the male brain... Uh, uh, means we're more likely to to panic and give in because we want to get what we want. Men are oftentimes more impatient. So if we're going to use factors that if this happens, then that's not sexy and that's not going to be a good way, way to build a sex life. You know, the problem is not that women are not functionally able to have sex or to have orgasms. It's the frequency oftentimes that a man demands. Quality is not as good as quantity. As I've said before, we need to focus on quality and not quantity. If we can get that, we are going to have a long, steady, happy relationship. So that's our show. I want to thank you for listening. You know, I love hearing from you. And you can do that at voiceamerica.com, the empowerment channel, Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Now remember... How confusing and strange it must be for a child to come to reality that they came out of their mom's vagina. Also, a note for men. The most desirable things in the world are vaginas. They can take a pounding. That's Betty, Betty White. Also, hot flashes are really short tropical vacations. Also, there's a correlation between a woman's vagina and bottom lip. If she sucks on the bottom lip, her vagina will swell. Thanks for listening, everybody. That's our show for this week. Please join Dr. Gary Bell for another edition of Absurd Psychology next Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Now go impress your friends and family with what you've learned today and have them tune in next week so they can be almost as smart as you. 